Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,878. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, today I'm in a rather warm and humid Phoenix, Arizona, with a very special guest by the name of Cody Metcalf. Cody, welcome to Cars. Yeah, do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your life and the way you're inspiring people, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Cody? Uh, Mark, I'm pretty transparent. I mean, I'm a Automotive enthusiast, um, an outdoorsman, but I have to admit, uh, I just picked up gardening. Gardening, okay. I gardening, like yeah. So it's a it's a little thing, you know. I I, I don't tell too many people that, but I, <laughs> I started picking up gardening. So uh, gardening in the desert, uh, cacti and uh, grasses and, and dirt and rocks. Uh-huh. <laughs> It definitely poses a, a challenge, but yeah, it's uh, you see a, a lot of rocks around here and things. So trying to get some cucumbers to grow, especially tomatoes, is, is pretty difficult. But um, a little bit of water, some shade, and, and they'll do fine. I hear roasted tomatoes are rather nice, so uh, that might be <laughs> they just roast on the vine. <laughs> a way to do it. You know, I love getting out in the yard, and I live in the Pacific Northwest where everything grows like crazy because we get a lot of water up here. And I like to go out because it gets me away from my computer, up and out little I wouldn't call it exercise but you're moving and stuff although last week I tore out a large section of my yard and that was I'm still feeling it a little bit uh, from that <laughs> but I like to put some earbuds in listen to an audiobook listen to other podcasts and it just allows me to kind of escape and I'm kind of a zen gardener I like to my wife just looks at me like I'm crazy I'll spend an hour on one rhododendron just to clip it just right to make it look just great you know <laughs> so uh, but it's just kind of a part of way to get away from everything and and uh, do something different So uh, I think gardening is a pretty cool thing, even in the desert. So there you go. Allow me to give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into your life here. Cody Metcalf is the automotive instructor for East Valley Institute of Technology there in Arizona. And he sits on the RPM Foundation Task Force Board for their own apprenticeship and internship programs. This has allowed him to take his automotive passion and knowledge and pay it forward to educate the next generation, which we so dearly need. Prior to being at East Valley, Cody was a master automotive technician and team leader for a high-volume Toyota dealership in Tempe, Arizona. And there he learned the importance of great mentoring and how to turn one's passion into a rewarding career and a paycheck. Cody is a recipient of multiple awards, including the Best Auto Shop, EVIT, Rookie Teacher of the Year, and Department Chair at East Valley Institute of Technology. We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Cody, but first a word from our sponsors. So give him a listen, keep the seatbelts on. We'll be right back. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylus solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. 
Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers' insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider, according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Cody, so we're back. Let's dive into the corner and go a little deeper into your career because you're all about mentoring, helping, uh, promoting the driving force. And RPM Foundation is a great organization that helps young and old people that want to get into this career find a path and see there is a viable path. So let's talk about what you do every day and the joy that you bring to people and yourself by giving back to others. I started off just like a lot of our students do, sitting in an automotive classroom. I was kind of told by counselors and, and some of the people that, you know, working on cars, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to be successful doing that. So I went the traditional route. I went to ASU um, and I was bored out of my skull. So uh, about a year or so in, I went ahead and uh, I uh, went to UTI. At the same time, I got hired on by Toyota. And throughout my tenure with Toyota, I, I found this, um, not only the, the love for working on vehicles, but it was also helping other people come into the industry as well. And it got to a point to where I enjoyed that so much that I decided to go ahead and, and uh, make the jump from the, the shop into the classroom. So it, it kind of comes full circle and, and being able to educate our youth and be able to educate the next generation of technician to keep cars on the road. And it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my life. Well, you know, what I am seeing, and I really like this too, a lot of people, young people like you experience are told, you got to go to college for your degree. You have to do that. There's no way. you always And they do it, but they end up with a huge noose around their neck, i.e. a loan burden. Uh, you know, you think about what 
young people owe back to the government for their student loans, it's horrific in many cases. And they still don't know what they want to do. So they have this piece of paper that they thought was going to bring the value. But a lot of people don't need to take that track. And I love what you're doing there. So take me a little deeper into what your program does, how it helps these young people find a career path. And I'll tell you, from the many, many people, thousands I've interviewed here, these are viable careers. You can make very good money. My my nephew is just visiting here today. He worked for Volkswagen for 11 years. Now he works for Tesla and he's uh, lives lives in Salt Lake. He's traveling out here and he, he came to visit us for the evening and was telling me about Tesla and how enjoyable it was and the technology. And, you know, he basically sits in a, at a keyboard now and codes and fixes things and works with a, a group of people from Tesla builders all over the world to make things. I mean, I'm listening to this going, wow, it's did you ever think you'd come from changing oil on a Volkswagen and his father was an engine builder his whole life and had a business like that to what you're doing now and he said I never dreamed it but I'm having so much fun this is so cool and he's making really good money yeah and Mark and that's kind of where that's where the industry is going even as educators we have to update our curriculum constantly to try to keep up. You know, uh, we also have to take additional classes and 20 hours of professional development to stay up to date on this technology because the last thing you need is an automotive shop teaching students, you know, how to rebuild a quadrajets. You know, I mean, it's fun stuff, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to generate a student, a product that's going to come out and be able to have the, the skill sets to, to work on these, these high-tech vehicles and utilize that, that equipment. But a little bit about EVIT, you know, we are what they call a J10. So it's a joint technical education district. So we service 10 other school districts. And, and what that is, is instead of each school, high school, having an automotive program, they send all of their students that are interested in automotive to EVIT. And so uh, we have right now currently about 220 students enrolled in the program. It's a, fair, it's a yeah, lot it's of a students. Large, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fairly big. We have currently five instructors. And we rotate the students around. Our curriculum is based off of NATEF, which is a third body, third body accreditation. Mm -hmm. So everything that you know the students are learning is, is applicable to industry and, and what they need to know. And when they leave the classroom, they step foot into the shop, at least they have a, a, a good foundation. That the, the basics are there. But right now, currently, I think as of last year, Mark, we were placing more students in the automotive industry than any other CTE school in the nation. Wow. Well, congratulations. I've had some of those students as guests on the show here, by the way. Very young people. And walk us through the different types of things that they learn. Because when you think of automotive repair, like my, my nephew who works at Tesla with electric vehicles, he said there's still a lot of parts of this car that have to be fixed. Tires, suspension, I mean, all these different things. Most people think, oh, electric car, nothing to work on? Uh, not really. <laughs> there's still all those other components. And there's this little thing called a computer in these cars. Yeah. If you look at the new Plaid Tesla, oh my gosh, he said there's a game game station five in that thing. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I think it, he said it's something like $130,000. I didn't realize it was so expensive, wow. but it's a rolling computer like all cars now. So it's yeah. not just about banging fenders and, and changing fluids. There's this whole technology side that you got to wrap your head around, which kids seem to love. I mean, they've grown up with tablets and phones in their hands. And that's, and that's really unique too, Mark, is, is I'm, starting to, I'm starting to see a lot of these students that 
just like you said, you know, they're, they were born into this, this technological age, right, after the, you know, Y2K. So technology for them and computer systems and, and utilizing and interfacing is, is like second nature. So I, I found that a lot of my students have picked this up extremely easy, especially when I, I put a, a, like an oscilloscope in their hands or, you know, a scan tool, for example. Mm-hmm. They want to immerse themselves in it. You know, it's, it's like a video game that they would play. But um, so they pick it up quite easy. The technology uh, has cha- is changing so drastically that as automotive instructors, our curriculum is updating every three years. So a student in our program will, will learn a lot of the fundamentals. You know, they'll learn the, you know, engine basics, you know, of an internal combustion engine. Mm-hmm. They'll, you know, pull one down and things like that. But, you know, just as well as I do, rebuilding alternators and rebuilding starters, we just don't do that any longer. So they'll get the, they'll get the basics. They'll understand properties and how they work, but we're not necessarily rebuilding alternators and starters. A lot of the education portion, a lot of the teaching is, is really going into the, into, into electrical systems. Mm. You know, we're looking at electrical systems, drivability concerns. Um, we, we spend a lot of time with a voltmeter, believe it or not, you know, the DVOM <laughs> yeah. is, probably the most utilized tool that a student in our program will, will you know, have their hands on for, for that two-year stint. We recently just got a, a, a Tesla uh, motor that was donated to us. So now we get to kind of start opening that up and showing them some of the, the really cool stuff that's inside of there. But, you know, our, our curriculum and this, this game is changing every single day. So either you're going to stay up to date or you're going to fall behind. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. I would assume that pretty much if you have the statistics, all your students end up landing jobs when they're done. We have a, a really unique program. And I don't know if it's unique to us, Mark, but it's it's something that we've been doing for years not just an internship, but it's a job shadow. So what we do with our first and second year students is for three days, we uh, put them out there in the industry. So we'll contact dealerships, we'll contact independents, and they'll host maybe two or three students uh, for three days. Mm -hmm. So the student's exposed to the, the front end um, you know, maybe the service drive, they'll sit with a service manager or service writer. They'll, you know, write up cars. They'll spend a day in the parts department um, and then they'll spend a day in the shop with a technician. And so they get to see all of these, these, these different aspects of, of operations. And, you know, you do have some students that, you know, they don't want to turn wrenches. Maybe they're great, you know, with, with customer service. So, you know, th- there's always an option. There's always the, the ability for a student to transition into the automotive industry and not necessarily just turn in wrenches. So I believe that by exposing them to all of those things, it's a really unique experience for them to see hands-on how the inner workings of a shop, uh, you know, how that takes place. So um, after the job or after the job shadow, uh, believe it or not, a lot of these students, the third day, they'll bring their resume. And you know just as well as I do is that these shops out there are just, I mean, they're, they're hurting for people right now. And uh, a lot of these shops are actually employing these students even before they graduate out of the program. Wow. And so that builds, yeah, so it, it allows us to build this internship program with the, you know, with, with the shop so they can um, home grow their own and go from there. You know, I think it's tremendous. And I've had many people on the show that went from working in a traditional shop, let's say a dealership working as a technician, then evolve into front desk communications with the customers and so forth, analysis, uh, some specialized in things. But then others that go, you know, this working on the same cars every day is kind of boring. And they go into this whole nother group, which are the restorers and the people that are working on the classic cars and so forth that really need someone with passion in their shop. And they're the ones hurting as well, because they typically can't pay as much as a dealership 
but they have other things to offer young students that are many times more appealing. You get to work on all sorts of different cool cars. Uh, maybe you don't have the great benefits you have at a big dealership or a big mark, but it, there's more flexibility, not so mundane. You're not driven really hard because some you worked at a Toyota dealership and yeah. not to pick on Toyota or any dealership, but sometimes it's, uh, what do they call it, uh, casework or, or piecework where you're, you're paid based on how much you can do and how fast you can do it. And that grind can start to be rather monotonous monotonous and, and boring sometimes. Other people enjoy it, but imagine getting to go work on a Rolls Royce one day and then an old MG and a Jaguar and then a Porsche. And, and then they get into upholstery and, and paint finishes and chrome. I mean, there's all sorts of things. So this area is so broad for so many young people. I think it's tremendous. It is, Mark. And I have um, some students of mine, and you're absolutely correct. You know, the flat rate world, it, it does That's the word I was looking for, flat, the flat rate. rate world. <laughs> you it, end up flat on your back, worn out. Is what you know? That's it. And it's um, it's this, it's very monotonous. It, it's when, when you're working for a specific manufacturer, you know, it, it kind of takes a lot of the guesswork. You know, after years of doing it, it takes some of the guesswork out of these cars that come, you know, that come in there. You become kind of complacent. Almost, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself because you're only working on one make, you know, a, a few different models across the board, but you're not being challenged any longer. And I have some students that I've put into speed shops and, and upholstery shops, and I'm going to plug a guy uh, from Wild Child. You know, he was a graduate of Eva, and he opened up Wild Child, which is you know they take Mini Coopers, and um, it's just so cool. And he's hired a few of my students, and you know, there's so many op so many different opportunities out there for automotive enthusiasts. It, you're right; it's not just the one path dealership route, you know, there's so many different things out there and keeping these old cars on the road and keeping that passion, that love is, um, it, it, it's a big piece of our industry. And, and I'm very, very fortunate to be a part of supply and entry level technicians for that. Well, you're a great mentor and inspiration. I'd love to know who was your driving inspiration. Who was a great mentor and inspiration for you in your life as you came through your career? My, my dad. My, my dad was a, a great man. The values that he instilled at a young age uh, carry on to this day. But I would have to say in my professional career, uh, there's a gentleman named Gary Sorley, and uh, he's the owner of Toyotech now, which is a local garage here in, in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. But, you know, he took me under his wing as a young entry-level technician and provided that safety that I think that a lot of entry-level technicians today aren't receiving. You know, you get into this world, you get thrown into flat rate, and then uh, you get that taste, right? And you're, you're not going to be doing well for, you know, you're making more minimum wage than you were, you know, flat rate, at least for the few, you know, for the first couple of years. So Gary Sorley kind of took me in and, and really, um, he wasn't scared to let me fail because that, that's a part of the growth process. But I really think that, you know, that's such a crucial you know, part of, of entry-level technicians or, or just apprentices across the board is they have to have a good mentor. And, you know, to this day, you know, I've, I've had many mentors, but he's definitely one that comes to mind. Very cool. So let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about a big challenge because uh, what we're facing right now in a lack of people working in this career path is a huge challenge, but I want you to share a big challenge that you overcame and what you learned from it. So uh, sit tight, keep the seatbelts on, uh, look around for your 10 millimeter. It's somewhere down there. I used mine yesterday, actually, and I found it. Thank goodness. I'll be right back. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, 
Their auctions are world-class lifestyle events where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So we're back, Cody. I want you to share a big challenge, big obstacle, even a big failure that you faced. You talked about Gary challenging you and allowing you to fail, but I'd love for you to share a situation that taught you a really valuable lesson that you could take forward in a positive way. The first time I stepped into a classroom, as as a, a technician and as somebody that had kind of gone through the ranks, you know, I was very confident in my own my own abilities. But what I didn't realize is when I walked into a classroom with 40 students sitting in there, they wanted to know what was up in my brain, and I had no idea how to how to present it. You know, I I, I didn't know how to how to teach or how to educate, and it, it was it was a it was a challenge. And it took about a year and a half before I was really able to kind of find this this rhythm and, and figure out how to how to educate students because everybody learns a different way. And I, I think that that was probably the most challenging thing so far up to date in my career was was getting in front of a classroom. First, the nerves. <laughs> and then the, yeah. the second piece of that yeah. is being able to take what you know and, and educating others with that. So um, I, I think, Mark, yeah, that, that's, that has to be the biggest challenge that so far I've, I've been up against. Allow me to ask you if you could pick out one of the challenges that came with that piece of, of learning to be a great teacher, a great mentor. What was it? I have an idea what it might be, actually, but I'll let you tell me what yours was. Just one of the many, <laughs> because there was one probably the a few. Things. There was probably a few. Uh, yeah. yeah, there were quite a few things. Uh, you know, I had this this conception that I was going to walk in and I was just going to teach people, you know, how to work on cars. But what I didn't realize is is when you step into the classroom, you know, you have all of these different students from all of these different backgrounds, and you're so much more than just an educator. You know, you're 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 a big brother. You're you're uh, you know maybe a father figure some some sort. You're somebody that. that people can fight in. So it's, it's so much more than just a job. And, and I think that, you know, initially that, that kind of put a little bit of stress on you, right? Like you have all of these responsibilities. Sure, um, a lot of people tugging at you. Yeah. And so it, it was, it, and like I say, to, to this day, Mark, it's, it's the absolutely the most rewarding thing I've ever decided to do in my career. It, we, we always go through those, through those challenges and, and every year a new batch of students comes in and um, figuring out how everybody learns and, and, 
being able to to tailor curriculum to them is is uh, you know it's it's an ongoing challenge, but at the end of the day, it's 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 well worth it. Did you discover? And the thing that I was that was coming to my mind was when I think back of all the instructors I've had in school. I mean, remember my first grade teacher, Mrs. Yi. I don't know how I remember her. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But I found that the best educators were the toughest ones on me. They really pushed me. And at first, I didn't like it. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a tough one. But more so, they were people that listened versus just getting up there and spewing out everything and walking away. They created an opportunity for an exchange of communication, which very few teachers, at least in my history, allow. They just came up and taught, and they walked out. And you're like, uh, 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 uh. You know, and well, hours with me are between this and this if I'm if I have time for you, you know, that kind of thing. So that exchange of communication, was that something that came to light for you that was maybe a surprise as a new educator? Yes. And the biggest thing for me was when we got out into the shop, for example, instead of letting the student do the work and and, and watching them go through the process, I would jump in. Oh, and, and I would, you want to be the, hel- the helicopter parent? Yeah, yes. Let me tie and, your shoes uh, for you. <laughs> ex- exactly, and so I was I wasn't letting them, uh, you know, really explore their their capabilities at first, and and that was a big thing. And you know, if if the teachers doing all the work, they're doing all the learning. And that was a key piece to, to running not only a successful classroom, but a successful shop is letting the students kind of take over. Let them, you know, I present the information out there and, and then they get to to challenge themselves by going out in the shop and implementing the techniques and the repairs. And so you do have to pull kind of your that tenacity, that that wantingness, you know, because we, we as automotive enthusiasts, as a technician, you know, I, I loved fixing things and solving problems. But now it's time for me to take a step back and let yeah. them do the problem solving. So I'm on the other side of the fence where I'm actually out there creating the problems now. So I create the bugs and they get to go out there and diagnose them and then and then, then repair them. But, yeah, I think that was a, a big challenge was at first I was presenting the information. I wasn't letting them really uh you know, dive too far into it, but without stepping in, I guess. You know, I think it's a great thing. My children went to Montessori school in their elementary, you know, from toddler through elementary. And the first time my wife and I went to a a Montessori school to observe before we placed our children there, I stood there and I went, this is chaos. And, you know, I looked at my wife, I said, what is going on here? Like, where's the chairs in the row? You know, and like where I grew up, you know, I was being institutionalized, taught to work in a factory, right? And uh, Montessori is, and I remember this little boy coming over and his shirt was on inside out and backwards. Now these are little toddlers, right? And um, I kind of, the teacher came over and we said hello and I said, aren't you going to help him, you know, like put his shirt on right? And she goes, no, he put his own shirt on and he'll learn to put it on right eventually. But the first step was he put it, you know, he put his own shirt on. Most parents put their kids shirt in. And, and that kind of struck a nerve with me because I went, okay, I think I see what's going on here. In this classroom where there's all this activity, each child was being told, you have to do this, like coloring maybe or reading. or And you do it on your own, but you learn at your own pace, your own way. And our kids excelled at that, but they both excelled in different ways. They both learned in different ways, but they both ended up being exemplary students going on to, you know, graduating with the gold tassels from college and all that. And they've all said that it was that Montessori instruction process where we were allowed to fail. 
wear our shirt on inside out and backwards. Maybe, you know, goof up the way they teach phonics and reading and writing. Yeah, spelling was not important. It was more about getting it down on paper so you could get your idea across. It was a very different, weird thing for me as a parent, but I learned that it was really, really valuable. So a lot like what you've learned. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you sharing that. When you look ahead as an automotive instructor at East Valley Institute of Technology, what's a bucket list item for you in the, let's say the next three years of what you'd like to achieve as an instructor there? I've been very, very fortunate. And then the time that I've been there, it's, you know, I've had a lot of fun in the education system. There's only a couple places you can really go, Mark. And that's, you know, you can stay in the classroom or you kind of get into the administration side of things. Uh, for me, uh, I want to stay in the classroom. <laughs> I want to stay in the say. classroom for as, for as long as possible. Yeah. You know, I have no desire to, to get into to that side of, of the world. Um, educating and, and, and teaching is, uh, like I said this before, it is a very, very rewarding piece. And, and, you know, when I have students that call me two, three years down the road, like, you know, Mr. Metcalf, I'm, I'm getting married, I'm buying my first home. And, you know, they're, they're still working the shop, they're shop owners. It, it's it's so fulfilling. Oh, yeah. It's like this this big smile, you know, I'm on the other side, they can only see me smiling. <laughs> and, and just how, you know, it's like you're a proud dad again. Yeah, tremendous. You know, my son, my son is four years old. And, you know, I, I just, I hope that he has instructors and teachers that, you know, are, are passionate about what they do. And, uh, you know, you, you said the word institutionalized a little bit earlier, and you're absolutely correct. You know, there's, we're just, so much of this system is just kind of pumping them through this, you know, pumping them through. And it's it's good educators, it's good teachers that really take stock in their students that uh, I think are really making a difference. So as far as where I want to go in my bucket list in, in my career, uh, I think I have found it. I don't plan on going anywhere else. Uh, I really enjoy what I do. Well, you learn the secret sauce to life and that's giving back to others and uh, having raised two children who are now adults. But I tell you, the thing to teach your child, I would suggest, and you probably already know this, is teach that little boy to ask questions a lot. And a lot of kids are too afraid to ask their teachers questions, but my kids both were taught to ask lots of questions all the time. The teachers enjoy it better. The great teachers, good, the good teachers. And uh, it helps them so much more. So uh, push, push those questions all all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, because they, I mean, one student has a question. There's probably five, six other students around them that had the too, same question. Too afraid to raise their hand. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. don't want to ask. Because they grew up in a house where they weren't told to be quiet. And that's the problem with schools. You think about elementary school. You know, I'll, I'll rant a little bit here, but you understand this. The bell rings, sit down, shut up, listen. Don't talk. Bell rings, go eat lunch. Sit down, eat your lunch. Bell rings, come back. Sit down. And that really was the way institutionalized public education still is probably in some. I don't know. Hopefully, maybe it's changing a little bit. But it's, it's changing just not too much. But, you you know, when you go back to the Industrial Revolution, you know, it's like factory workers. Yeah, you know, the bell rings, go to work. Yeah. Shut up. And Do your job. Yeah. Don't ask. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that way. So uh, I, I'm glad to hear there's these opportunities for people. Let's talk about you for a minute here. Okay. Cars, special cars. Is there a special vehicle in in your life that you could share a story about? Oh, there is. There is. Um, I have owned so many cars, trucks, motorcycles. I mean, and there's been one that has stayed with me this entire time. It's the first vehicle that I purchased when I turned 18 years old. I worked bussing tables for two years to buy this car. It's a 1992 Ford Mustang. Cool. It was my dream car. Um, and believe it or not, it, it, it still is my dream car. Um, you still have it? Really I still have it to this day. Nice. And wow. It, it's the only thing I, I've, I've kept. Uh, it's gone through stages. You know, I think um, 
as a, you know, not only as an enthusiast, but I'm very passionate about, you know, my, my vehicles. And, and this car has kind of gone through those stages where just like me in my life, you know, uh, off the showroom floor at one point and the, the gentleman took really, really good care of it. And I purchased it from him and I started making some subtle changes to it. And, you know, uh, pulled out the 302 and I put a big block in it and, and I went with some nitrous carbureted. Then through the transformation after about 15 years, now it's, it's in the garage now and it's a, um, it's a 472 with a, uh, um, a Garrett turbo fuel oh injected oh, wow. mega squirt. Now there's no power brakes. There's no steering it. So it's, it sits in there quite a bit, uh, especially in these hot Arizona summers yeah. with no air conditioning. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the car I've kept. Cool. It's, um, and, and hopefully I'll give that to my son someday. Well, there you go. I love it. Now I'm going to crawl on your skull a little bit here. Okay. You're yeah. psychologist, psychiatrist. If you were manifest as a vehicle, you became a vehicle. What would you be mm-hmm. why? Uh, I would have to, Mark, have you ever heard of a Sherp? A Sherp. S-H-E-R-P? S-H-E-R-P, a Sherp. Sherp. No, it's kind. It's so. It's almost a. Um, it's like an all-terrain vehicle. I don't believe they're street legal, but it is a. Um, it's the ultimate off-road kind of vehicle that gets over any obstacle that you put. It's amphibious. It can float. You know, it'll go. Uh, you know, over logs up to about a meter high. It's. You know. It's, okay, I just I just pulled this very odd you, thing up. This is the most bizarre off-road <laughs> ATV. What would you call? I mean, it's weird. It doesn't even look real. It looks like a little toy that some kid invented with the biggest dang sand tires I've ever seen. <laughs> that, and it looks like it could crawl over virtually anything that came up to it. it but it's it's like tiny wheelbase yeah, the wheels are almost touching each other yeah uh-huh. that's crazy i've never seen one of these before wow and the reason why i say that is um when it comes to obstacles you know i, I as a young kid and growing up things were very challenging um getting into uh, getting into my my career was 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 really challenging and then i've gone through a lot of a lot of different things you know in my short time on this this rock and um i think that like the shirt it, it's I've been able to overcome and get to that next point with there's been hiccups here and there, but, but have always, have always overcome those challenges. And like the shirt, man, you put something in its way and uh, you go right over there. It's, whether it's float, you know, uh, or, or crawling through the crawling through the woods, it, it, it always arrives on the other side. So looks like the best way to describe this thing, and you listeners can Google Sherp, a hundred thousand dollar Tonka toy for adults. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I love it. Hey, let's talk about a book that you maybe have read or have read that you would recommend others to uh, pick up and enjoy, or audiobook maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big finance guy. So when I was, when I was younger, I was kind of always interested in it, but you know, my parents didn't have any money. And so it was finding mentors and reading books that I, I really learned kind of how the financial world works. And one of my favorite books is uh, by Benjamin Graham. It's called The Intelligent Investor. It's a great book. It goes, you know, over just the, the fundamentals and the basics of money management and investing. And another good one is the uh, the Richest Man of Babylon. This is actually a book that I, I recommend to some of my students. You know, we, in my class, Mark, we don't just teach automotive, you know, it, it's kind of like a life, a life course. Uh, you know, I, I find that a lot of students go through their, their educational journey and 
there's a lot of things that are left out, some really important things in my opinion, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we get to talk about, you know, finances. We'll talk about certain different types of investing and just money management. Just when you get out, there's a flat rate technician, you know, you start busting your hump and then you get to a point where you're making 60, 70, $80,000 a year and then you're spending it all. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, you're not going to be able to turn wrenches anymore. So what is the end game? What is, what is your plan? And you have to have a plan, but all too many times, these students, they come in there and they don't know the basics of finance. They don't understand that their body at a certain point is going to break down and that they're going to have to have some sort of end game. So I'm a big proponent of that. And uh, that's probably one of my one of my favorite books. Yeah, George uh, Klassen wrote that book. It's a great book. Um, and I think you hit on a, a real strong note here. You see these things posted on Facebook often, you know, ask a general question. And mm -hmm. mostly I skip over those and move forward. But uh, one was, what do you believe is not taught in public schools that should be? And I just glanced through all the answers. There's lots of answers there. Number one was finance. And you're right. People are not taught that. And if you didn't grow up in a family where they spoke about it, what are you to know? And, and it's the same with, say, sports figures. They start making tons and tons of money and they just blow it all. And you go, how could that guy be homeless now? I mean, he was making, yeah. you know, $10 million a year and they just have no grasp of it. So I really think that's something that is so important should be. And the weird thing is people will say, oh, money's not important. Uh, hogwash. It's probably one of the most important things. It's more about how you use it as a tool, though to be successful yes. and, and to help others. Because if you're financially successful, you can help people uh, in so many ways. There's so many people that need help in a variety of ways. So I'm glad you mentioned finance books. We'll take one more show break. We come back. You and I are going to go on the ultimate drive, my friend, uh, through the beautiful right. Arizona desert. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Cars yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. Okay, so I have a magic scepter, which means you get to pick the ultimate vehicle, the person you want to be with. This could be somebody living or deceased. And uh, who's driving and where are you going? So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? You know, when I think about this, there's so many prolific people out there, um, alive and dead, but somebody that really kind of comes to mind is somebody that, that has really, I guess not, has inspired the world is Henry Ford. Um, Henry Ford, you know, and, and the things that, that, you know, as a child, the things that he, that, that he did and, and the kind of where he was to where he is or where he was uh, towards the end of his life was, was very um, cool to me. And so I'd say it'd be Henry Ford. What better car than a model T? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I would have to drive the model T. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been behind the wheel a couple of times. Really, really unique. Those pedals are all in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really unique uh, uh, system there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we actually have one at the school. Somebody donated one at the school. And oh, nice. I guess it's kind of like the, the Volkswagen of his time, like the, the, the VW bug of his time. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, Mark, I think it's going to be with Henry Ford. We're going to have a conversation. 
Now, what you have to do is give them a, or go for riding that Model T and then say, hey, I've got something else to show you and step out of that vehicle and into a new Ford GT and watch, his, yeah, watch his eyes go, what is this? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, most definitely. I think that'd be pretty cool. Or even, you know, a, a GT40 maybe, you know, a race car from, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the, the movie that just came out. So very cool. Well, you've taken us on a really fun ride today and I really appreciate spending some time with me today. I want to do a shout out to Nick Ellis, RPM Foundation. He's the one that introduced me to Cody. So Nick uh, was a recent guest not too long ago, a few weeks ago. Great guy. He's brought me some, brought me some wonderful guests here on Cars Yes. So Nick, thank you very much. What's a maybe parting mantra, quote, a success quote you might leave us with today, Cody? Well, you know, something that kind of come, comes to mind um, by uh, Mr. Thomas Jefferson, it's, uh, you know, nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goals, but nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. And I believe that if you approach everything with, with that mindset, nothing can keep you from achieving the things that you want to do. As long as you always stay positive, as long as your mind is always in the right spot. So that, that, that's probably something I stand by, um, some, a way that I try to live my life. Well, it is all about your attitude. It really is. It's no matter... No matter what, if you have a terrible day or a, a challenging trip somewhere, it's all how you look at it uh, as to how you will end up. So uh, Thomas Jefferson was a pretty smart guy. I love that quote. How can people learn more about East Valley Institute technology? Evit. You can log on to uh, the good old interwebs and type in evit.com into the browser. And it'll bring you kind of to the homepage and show you a lot of the different programs that we offer there. Uh, I believe at this point we have about 42 different CTE programs, everything from cosmetology, welding, plumbing, automotive, diesel, collision, refinishing. Um, so you can go online and, uh, you know, if you are in the local area, there's, I think, yeah, 10 different school districts. Um, if you're in high school, it's completely free. doesn't cost you a dime. And if you are an adult student, you can attend there with the tuition. I believe it's right around $4,200 a semester. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry for, for the, for the program and, uh, which is quite a bit, uh, significantly less than a lot of other schools. Or your there, so. Yeah. <laughs> Having yeah. Two, two kids through private college. Yes, it is. <laughs> I can tell yes. you Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where you can find us there. If you're interested also, uh, the tech force foundation, I sit on the board of directors for the tech force foundation and, um, they are a nonprofit that gives grants and scholarships to aspiring automotive uh, technicians uh, getting into transportation careers. Um, they're a wonderful organization. They uh, have just actually unrolled a platform. It's called the Peer-to-Peer -peer Network. It's, it allows, a, it's very cool. Yeah. Yes. And it allows, you know, uh, educators and students and, and uh, people in the industry right now to connect and share ideas and learn. And the resources are just are. are just in abundance. So and you can find that on uh, techforce.org. Absolutely. And my regular listeners know TechForce is my charity of choice here on Cars Yeah, as well as RPM Foundation Foundation helping them as well. So I'll put links to all these on Cody's show notes page. If you have a young person in, in your life or you're looking at changing your career, maybe you're an older person, uh, there are some wonderful op opportunities out there in the automotive sector uh, just waiting for you to go and to enjoy. Cody, hey, thanks for spending some time with me today and, and sharing your inspirational life. Uh, my hat's off to you and what you're doing for so many people. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. It's been a it's been a good hour, and uh, you know, thank you for for spreading the word and keeping automotive enthusiasts out there and connected. And uh, thanks again, buddy. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Cars, yeah, is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and that would be you. <laughs> Take care. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.